Welcome to the Movie Vault. I'm Ben. And I'm Zach. And today we're uh, reviewing a movie that uh, came out pretty recently. Yeah. And we also have a guest on today. Yes. Hello. David. And he was actually our first guest on. What movie were you on it for the first It was uh, unfortunately the B-movie. And it was... He was a, a guest host, really, because you weren't you pick there. The B movie? I don't think I picked the B movie. Who picked the B movie? I, I I honestly don't remember how it came up that David, we watched the B you. movie. I don't I don't think I I don't know. I don't At least I, it's a movie. I, I don't one. know. We we watched it together. I don't think I had seen it until until we did it. So. We were probably flipping through Netflix and we were like, "Well, let's review the B movie." <laughs> like that's, that's how we did. We did the Notebook, you know. I was gone that's on right. two episodes. I remember one was with Jake Blennis. Yep. That was Fight Club, and then yep. the B movie, right? Yep. And then there's only one episode that I actually regret doing. Do you know which one it is? I actually don't know. You don't? It's because it's not a movie. Oh, yes, I do know. Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Yes. He <laughs> regrets doing it. And the fight was so stupid because they tied, so there wasn't much to, like, say. Do we watch that in my backyard or something? We put a projector up. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. that might be one of the more contentious moments in Movie Vault history, should that have actually counted as an episode. What were we thinking? I don't know, because our episode 100 is based on that being an episode. Was it that big? <laughs> well, I think we kind of bought into the hype a little bit, which is what fighting is all bit. about. To be fair, we've done many episodes with more than one film in it. Yeah, yeah, we've bent the rules. We, I mean, we make our own rules. We're the masters of our own universe. Yeah, here. But we have to stick by our own rules, and that's a really postmodern statement. So be careful. Yeah, <laughs> but we're, we haven't done that, so I guess that's fair. We're masters of our fate. We only have the two segments: the movie and the outside the vault. And I like it. Let's just keep it. Yep, we're never adding any more segments. Yeah, this is gonna Maybe. be clipped. As yeah, something <laughs> is either a movie or it is outside the vault. There's no other categorization yeah. for it. Anyway. Um, today we're going to review a movie that pretty recently came out about four years ago. Um, it's called The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It came out in the year of 20. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's wait, a pretty short film. Wait, okay. I'm seeing over here. It says it's 1920. So oh, you really? got to pay attention to those first two digits. Oh, I'm sorry. Usually people hand me their digits. Left the speechless sack. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But yes, it's a it's a silent horror movie directed by Robert Weenie. I'm sure that's how you pronounce his name. V- uh, v- Vini. Yeah, probably probably Vini. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and written by Hans Jenowitz and Carl Mayer. Jenowitz. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It's a uh, a quintessential work of. Uh, German Expressionist Cinema mm. per Wikipedia. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it's about a doctor who controls a... Oh, I don't know how to pronounce this word. I'm Somnambulist? Not, somnambulist. Pronunciation is brought to you by Zach. Yeah, it's called pronunciation, by the way. But okay. yes, Which also okay. brought to okay. you by me. Yeah. A somnambulist okay. is just a sleepwalker, but this sleepwalker has also been continuously asleep for 23 years. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Now, let's just give our initial reactions. We're right out of the theater. It just came out, opening night. What do we think? First half of the movie, I was like, seems like a pretty straightforward story. There's a murderer. Dr. Caligari's doing it. You know, they're going to catch him. Did we know by then? Did we know by halfway through the film? Yeah. Yeah, you could, by the third or fourth, it was at least the third or fourth act, you knew that the somnambulance was... Uh, committing the murders. Somnambulance. The yeah. Like the idea of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> like the concept of somnambulism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, was committing the murders. And uh, and that Dr. Caligari was probably controlling him. Um, but then, the second half of the movie, there was a big twist. And then you realized that you might have been wrong about the whole thing. Yeah. And that caught me off guard. Okay. Oh, not, it did for me too. Because yeah. I was really not expecting a twist in this movie. So, what were you expecting? It to be straightforward and just go to straight to the end, where they just revealed him? Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really, like, read anything about the plot or, of the movie, but... Now, the in the end of the film, it is straightforward. It is him, right? Yeah, I mean, it's straightforward, but, like, the whole... Like, five acts of the movie... Five and a half acts of the movie, you think that one thing's going on, and then there's a reveal at the end... Of an unreliable narrative. It's straightforward an, yeah. misdirection. Um, what? It's, like, straightforward misdirection. 
I guess you're right. And it so. kind of went reverse back. Like uh, Michael Scott says, snip, snap, snip, snap. It's kind of like uh, back and forth of what, what you your expectations are. And a little bit of nonlinear storytelling sprinkled in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, which was hard. Flashbacks. Yeah, hard to track. I wonder if those tints were in the original film. That was something I needed. I, I should have looked up before. But it said something about like the original prints don't exist and that the tints come from the Latin American prints or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. We read that before. But the tints seem very intentional. Yeah, because the tints kind of told what time period it was in or what. Yeah, time of day. Whether day it was or the night. The future or the present or the oh, past yeah, that or too. the day or yeah. night. Um, but yeah, I, it was nonlinear storytelling, a lot of. And that was kind of hard to tell. Um, and yeah, I have not seen many silent films in general, so this was kind of a. It was, it was a little bit harder to follow for me. But, I mean, once I got about maybe 30 minutes in, it was pretty easy to follow. What was your uh, reaction, David? Um, Yeah, I'm going to – I have to agree with Ben. Like, initially I was just thinking, like, oh, man, like, this is this is pretty this is pretty straightforward. And, and I, I'm not a big silent movie kind of person either. But I, I will say, though, I really do appreciate this film for what it is. And I, I'd like to – I don't know. Sometimes make that distinction where it's like, like, okay, just because it's old doesn't necessarily mean it's good. But this is good. I, th- I thought I liked the story a lot, and I thought it was done well. The, um, I, th- I think that maybe, silent storytelling could be told in a more, you know, acting kind of way. It doesn't need as much dialogue necessarily. So, and you, you see that done where there's no dialogue whatsoever, and people yeah. can still make no. But, can you, do that for an hour? Probably not. But. Yeah. But I, I thought they could have maybe utilized that a little bit more. But besides that, the dialogue was pretty solid. Um, again, like straightforward at the beginning and yeah. added a little bit more interesting things. You know that one scene, this what was the second murder with the um, like the silhouette shadow, shadowy murder. I mm-hmm. thought that was I thought that was pretty good artistic technique. Yeah, so. well, that's a big part. We'll get into that. But you brought up two things that were interesting. The first one was you said just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. A lot of times people think old is bad right that's the common thing like oh you're watching an old film how good could it be right but then you learn eventually when you watch enough movies that old films are really good and then after that you learn that not all film old films are really good so that's like a an extra level of maturity for a for a cinephile to have right and i think the reason being is normally when a cinephile will say old movies are good they're talking about the Movies that are universally acclaimed that are old, and we did so. There's like pain, and we were we were hundreds, like, wow, probably thousands. I mean, there's thousands of movies that are nobody might even be lost at this point that nobody knows about or just won't be watched very much that are old movies. Right, like, there's probably a reason that nobody watches them anymore. <laughs> exactly. So we have so, yeah. we just have the um, the decades of people having opinions on these movies to like be able to know oh if i go watch this movie i'll probably like it because yep. it's probably good yeah and uh the, the the other thing you kind of brought up was um that well you were saying that it was they could have been told in maybe a more acting way and that kind of made me think about we, in the middle of the film we were talking about how a lot of these reactions in the film like the talking to each other and reacting to the murders and stuff were pretty theatrical right they were almost mm-hmm. like they were staged on a play and a little bit more cartoonish than a normal film would be even the set design kind of reminisced like very angular yeah. or like triangular set design well if yeah. you're thinking of cartoonish you could even think of dr caligari's um, glove which was mickey mouse's glove yeah. yeah and his like glasses and his facial expressions and yeah. everything about dr caligari the way he moved mm-hmm. um until we see the actual Dr. Caligari at the end of the movie. Yeah, and you can tell it's so expressionist and surreal just because you have one of the main characters, the um, uh, Cesar, Caesar, is this just this tall, lanky, skinny guy who almost doesn't look like he can stand up straight. He's like a wiggly guy, you know, like mm-hmm. you could draw him, um, like a kid could draw him as a stick figure. And you have this big Dr. Caligari who's a little bit goofy and has these weird uh, mannerisms. And then you have all of these um, other people. Like, I remember when they were kept, they were running after the girl when she was getting kidnapped by Caesar. And there was just this line of all these people kind of cartoonishly run, running one by one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, almost like a Charlie Chaplin film a little bit. <laughs> um, but, I th- yeah, a lot of it was pretty cool. But you're right. I think, I wonder if it's a part of the time. I wonder if... The theatrics in this is just what it was at the time. I really don't know. I haven't seen enough films at that. That's something that we could maybe think about as uh, we move forward as the movie vault. But 
Yeah, I certainly haven't seen enough German expressionist movies to know <laughs> yeah. how this fits in. Um, I did read that Roger Ebert claimed that, and other people have claimed along with him, that this is the first like true horror movie. Hmm. Um, hmm. Which is interesting because of the twist at the end, which makes it seem like maybe by modern standards more of a thriller yeah. or a mystery and less of a horror movie. But there are elements of horror like we talked about with the uh, with the stabbing scene and the silhouette and uh, stuff in that vein, that I could see the argument that it was the first like horror movie. Uh, I know Nos- Nosferatu is another really early one, but I think it was a couple years after this movie. Yeah. I can't remember whether that movie's German too or not. There was one bef- before in 1913 or 14. It came out. It was called Phantomas. And Roger Ebert talks about that even in one of his reviews, just talking about. But that was kind of based in the real world, even though it's about these uh, ghosts. Um, mm-hmm. Before I forget, another thing with you talking about like the how the world looked cartoonish and angular, and the people were. It's almost like that was a tip off to the twist. If you think about it, at the end, it was like, and and I don't know if they really changed the set design much at the en- end of the movie, um, but like the whole world is like, it it looks fake. And you say, well, it's a set, but like nobody shapes the doors the way that these people did. Nobody, like, there's a lot of like details that you're like, that doesn't look like a regular uh, town in the world. And you realize at the end that the the narrator, the guy telling the story, who's in the story, um, as as an observer and eventually as a guy seeking to um, like find justice on Caligari for yeah. the murders. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then he realizes, and that then the movie it's revealed he's actually the insane one, and he's trying to get everyone to turn on Dr. Caligari, who's the director of this mental institution. It was it was great when his, he walked in with his friend, and his friend just kind of looks at Caesar and looks back at him, and he's like, "Oh no, the guy I'm walking with is the insane one. I need to run away." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that main atrium. I will say that did look like the least like cartoony of all the thing i don't know i wonder the real if that question, is because it's that that's the only real place yeah that well my question is because they threw him in the cell at the very end was the cell door triangular that's the real question here i think it was a very similar shape okay well i think it was the same set that they threw yeah because that's Caligari. what i was gonna say yeah because it's probably budget is. cuts yeah well that's not yeah i i think that in it may be that they were trying to like hint at the fake world um but then they didn't change the set so it's a little bit maybe a nitpick on our end. If, like if I were to do it, I would I would maybe change that. Mm-hmm. But Caligari was super over the top. Like remember some of those close ups? Like they and he was you were just kind of like somebody made a remark like like oh like oh or whatever like because you know they got it's very Would you very say his close face up. is not pleasant? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, well, he had like stuff on his face. It looked like and uh, it was like scars or something. And his he's all disheveled and his glasses are hanging down. He's got these. This is just very ominous presence about him, and you're like, this guy just doesn't seem like a, like a fun guy to be around. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's all painted by an insane person, like so. It's like he's like an painted antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, not like he's like painted to every cliche essentially. Yeah, and and so I I thought that was interesting, where it's like, he, he's almost so so bad that it doesn't happen, right? Yeah, I think you're right. And then every character at, well, a lot of the major characters at the end of the movie are revealed to be also in the asylum, with the main ones being Caesar. And then I don't, I don't know if the girl had a name, but there was a girl that there was a love triangle between the friends. I think Jane. Jane was her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's really only like a couple characters that are named that are on the cast list. So there's Francis who gets murdered, um, and has his, and then there's Doctor Calgary. There's Caesar. There's Jane, and then there's Alan. Or is Alan the one who gets murdered and Francis is the unreliable narrator? I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Francis is the unreliable right, yeah. narrator. Uh, Alan gets murdered. Now, and it's an Dr. interesting Olson thing well. to think about that all of the backstory, there was about a 10-minute, maybe 7-minute backstory of Dr. Caligari and kind of how he came to be and how he met um, Caesar and stuff like that. That's a lot of time to kind of build up for a fake backstory, you know? <laughs> it was yeah. believable. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, because they gave all this stuff about this Caligari who is from Italy, right? Mm-hmm. 
and yeah, he's an old doctor, kind of. He's he's working with somnambulance. Somn, <laughs> you got me saying it. Somnambulists, <laughs> and that's his specialty. And then he eventually adopts the name of uh, his predecessor, the guy who he looks looks to to be like. Once he gets his first patient, imagine devoting your whole life to an object of study, and having your first patient has at his age. Like, yeah, that would be kind of amount. a sad life. Yeah, but yeah, this is definitely changing the subject just a t- tiny bit almost in the the appropriate way as this film seems to not follow any logical rules with a lot of its set designs this is a, a film very much a part of its time in the 1920s there were a lot of art movements with surrealism and lots of uh, uh bendy structures and arts and stuff like that kind of the loss of um the loss of the need for truth although i would disagree with the need aspect the loss of need people the the public opinion saw the loss of the need of truth within art so there's this rise of surrealism the rise of dadaism and um futurism that has a huge movement in germany right yep but and all of these things started here i mean even the the rise of liberals everything started in germany germany is where you know these great influential philosophers were in the 1800s right and into the 1900s we'd seen its effects and even to today it's the rise of postmodernism the rise of surrealism I took a class on music in this time period and music was getting to the point where musicians had thought that everything had been done with music that could be done. I mean, this was post, you know, Beethoven, Mozart, um, even Tchaikovsky. So people were starting to do, uh, it's just like very, uh, dissonant experimental stuff with music, atonality, um, which is sort of follows along with the philosophical trends of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Stravinsky and um, and and others, uh, Berg, you know, Philip Glass. So there's all these people all the way up to like John Cage. But then of course rock and roll happened and that transformed, you know, how people thought of music. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they 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 based all of this off of the fact that it was all going to end, but really there's a whole new thing that was just going to start. So I don't know. Shows a lot about the human. And I yeah. guess cinema in a lot of ways was at its beginning as well. So people didn't know what was going to oh, yeah. happen with this either. Yeah. And it's all, it's all a representation of their time. So I thought, I thought that was a really interesting thing. I mean, even just the poster of the film is just this piece of art. It's just pretty cool to look at. Just oh, this, yeah. none of the characters have straight edges. There's not, it's all pretty wavy and, there are no boundaries. It seems like there, there's no structure or truth needed to be there. And this film is stuck in history as well. So if you think about it, this was before World War II. This is, we're dealing with a time we can't even imagine at this point, right? Um, we are very much influenced by the great wars of this world. Um, but this is very shortly after World War One, right? If I have my uh, math correct and if uh, the internet is also correct. And... What from what I've read, the so uh, uh, yeah I was wrong about the end date. It's, it ended in nineteen eighteen. Yeah. So Yanowitz and Mayer. So those were uh, the writers of the script. Um, they were both pacifists of World War One. Hmm. So obviously, you know, many countries were involved, and many many people within their countries who did not want their country to be involved in the war were more pacifists, right? And Obviously, there are in each country that means something different. So I'm not exactly sure what the context is in Germany, but they were. Probably what that means thing. is, <laughs> maybe, I mean, at least for World War Two, the the main thing was that they did not trust their government. They didn't trust their, um, yeah, they didn't trust any authorities in there, which goes along with these this rise of the loss of truth in society. Um, so this film kind of makes like a story with a twist ending at the end, and it was kind of like. Yeah, I, that wasn't exactly what they wanted it to be. Apparently, when they were writing the script, um, there were some people who kind of got in the way, authorities of theirs, to kind of change the script at the last minute and, and change it to be an unreliable narrator who kind of uh, uh, had an influence on that. So it's in, it's a little bit interesting that their original vision didn't come to fruition, but it also turned out pretty cool as well. Um, and uh, just the, the style of the... The style of the film was also influenced by other people who were who were not writing the script um, as well. So there were people who kind of forced forced the writers to to change up what they were going to make, which was pretty interesting. So you got World War One, you got surrealism, and all of these. Uh, I just think of even uh, the one the one guy I really like is Salvador Dali. Yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite 
old artist, and that when I saw the poster, it reminded me of one of his. Uh, even just the colors, like the big bright orange, reminded me of the one with the elephants with the long legs. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely a name for that. I just can't remember. Here's an interesting uh, thing. Caligari was his physical appearance was influenced by uh, portraits of uh, German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer. Oh, really? So that's interesting. <laughs> Um, don't know whether any of his work was like represented in this movie at all, but uh, and I also really couldn't recount too much of what Schopenhauer is known for. I just know I've n- heard the name and probably am familiar with some some of his work. Just here in America, to we're associate yeah we're, with uh, confidence what his uh, beliefs were. We're influenced by it, but we don't know it. What we know is if you take the shut off, and we know the Oppenheimer part. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> because of Barbie, basically. So. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a film of its time, which is great. So, what what do we think were some of the strengths and maybe some of the weaknesses of the film? Um, I, I we've touched on a lot of the strengths, but yeah, set design and plot construction come to mind as like the things that make the mo- push the movie to being something that's especially considering it within its time to be more than uh to be to have more influence over time and to be revered as one of the great movies uh, just because it's it's not something that seems like it has any comparison and uh, well we talked about like different random things that we thought seemed like it David mentioned Shutter Island in terms of plot uh, which I think is a pretty apt oh, yeah. uh, comparison you can see some direct correlation there and then we also mentioned like dr seuss and like whoville <laughs> as like the our reference for like anything that looks similar to the set design um i have no idea whether uh, dr seuss ever watched this movie um and i suppose the like jim carrey dr seuss um grinch rendition uh maybe the set designers were influenced by it but who knows it could be so far down the line that you, you don't know that you can acknowledge that influence or not but those two things just were what impressed me a lot. Um, weaknesses, maybe you could say acting, but I don't even know what I'm comparing it to, so it doesn't <laughs> I, seem fair. I thought about this as you were talking. That Do we hold this film to a different standard? Than I think you have to, but I don't know what standard I'm holding it to, so maybe that's why I'm struggling a little bit more. I think, there was, I think Caligari's excellent. He has great presence, and... So I don't know if that's really a weakness at all. Do you remember my analogy about how your movie journey is like a forest? Yeah. Or what I, I said the woods or something like you that. You said something. Yeah, you had some analogy about that. Yeah. I just rem- I, I'm thinking about that right now. Just kind of like this is like if we were picked up by a helicopter and placed in a new area, right? Like the, like a tundra. Didn't you say it was like the a rainforest? Yeah, it's like the rainforest. Like if we were picked up from there and placed into another and li- listen to our all of our episodes to figure out what I'm talking about. No, I'm just joking. It's like a, a path, a journey. And I'll, I explained it a lot in some episode. I can't remember. Was it 98 or something? Was it Killer Sheep or something? It might have been Killer Sheep. It might. It was somewhere in the late 90s, I'll yeah. tell you that. Okay. And this is like if we were picked up and put in a completely different biome, right? It could be the clay biome in Minecraft or something else. But, and we're just trying to, we don't have anything to like survey by. We don't have any references. We don't have any standards. I think you have to create your standards for how to rate a film or how to say its strengths and weaknesses by f- the, its surroundings. Yeah, and I've watched zero other movies. Exactly. This is the <laughs> oldest movie I've ever watched. The I only believe. way to find out what oh. a polar bear is is to realize that you're in Antarctica. Am I True. right? Watch a Coke commercial, you'll learn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are not like taking my jokes today. <laughs> But. I'm tired. I'm yeah. tired, Zach. I think you're sick, too. I think I'm sick and tired. It's all in the delivery, Zach. <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm Labor just, and I'm, delivery. I'm smiling nod today. Yeah, yep. Smile, or smile and wave, boys. Just smile and wave. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We laughed at that. Oh, Thank you. I, I laughed at that one. Thanks. I just. I also have a very silent laugh. It's not very yeah. good for podcasting, because it's like a... Like, I don't know. It's a nod. Not, you, like forcefully choke on your air yeah yeah exactly but it doesn't make sound it's not like a good sound effect or a sound bite david's laugh is very loud yeah yeah what is that see that's good we i need a david what is the what is the loudest laugh you've had on the show oh man i don't even know i couldn't tell you 
We need to get probably to Caleb. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah, but probably Caleb, Caleb like chokes and then screams, and it's just yeah. 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 What's, no, what's describe my laugh? Yeah, I bet you don't know it. <sighs> well, your real laugh or your fake laugh? My real laugh. I was gonna I say have... like his <laughs> kind of laugh. <laughs> well, you just kind of did it there. Speaking of Minecraft, smells like the witch from Minecraft. <laughs> or the maybe you also have a little bit of a more silent laugh. Yeah, maybe. It's it's sort of a lively. It's lively though. Lively. Oh, yeah. That's a thank you. I'm gonna take that as a compliment. Complimentary yeah. adjective. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, yeah. Just n- next time, be aware of my laugh. I will. It's called being a good friend. Oh no. Well, it's not that I don't know what it sounds like. It's that I don't know how to describe it. Mm. You just can't tell if I'm fake laughing or real laughing. No, I can. Oh, okay. I mean, to at least a certain degree of certainty. I think most of my laughs are fake. I would concur. With I that. think that's just how yeah. some people are. I think. Well, laughing. Like if we want to go on a, a yeah. little tangent about laughing, laughing is like a defense mechanism in conversation, or it's like a space filler. Some people laugh like nothing is actually funny. It's like awkwardly. Yeah, but they kind of laugh. Let's go down this tangent, and it's going to lead exactly back to the film, okay? So, you're right. People in our culture cannot deal with silence for some reason, right? And you know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. But... The thing is, like, if anyone is, like, silent or if we're all in a group and all of a sudden, like, the conversation ends, then we all take out our phones and just start looking at whatever, you know, uh, searching up um, the guy who eats all that food and is going to die of a heart attack, maybe. Badlands Chunk. Nick Cotto? Yeah, the Nick guy. Oh, Nick Cotto. Not bad. Badlands will be here forever. Um I can't see. Any, I would I love to have any bad. concerns with Badlands. I don't. So I would love to have Eric Booker on our podcast. What, what film would he pick? He would pick like Transformers Two, <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, so that was a real laugh. Yeah, it's Dark of the Moon. We would have him chug on the podcast. Fan. We would just listen. It would be an ASMR podcast. Yeah. Eric Eric Badlands Booker chugs on the podcast. There's no video of it. It's just him, the sound of him chugging. Like, just like goop, goop, goop. put like a mic right up on his mouth. Like Eric, I'm just gonna rest this microphone upon your neck. You put one in his throat too, so you can hear the swallow. Thing is, like he would be like, "All right, sounds good." He's like, "So yeah." I'm not sure he would be like a great movie podcast guest because he doesn't strike me as someone who's like very always very opinionated. He's no, more he'd be just like, like I thought it was good. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the end of his thought. <laughs> That's my real laugh. <laughs> there you go. You would. You would. Hey Ben, how about you write a you write an email then? And see yeah. If he wants to come on the that podcast. Would be awesome. Anyway, but I'm saying maybe that's the loss of silent films in America. The loss of silent films, maybe in the world even, <laughs> has led people to always have stimulants, stimulus, right? TV shows and clips. Now it's clips. It's six second clips are controlling our lives. It's getting, and then eventually it'll be milliseconds where we're going to be <laughs> subliminally. McDonald's is going to subliminally program us with a, a McChip in the back of our neck. That's going to make us want to get McDonald's, right? Just wait till like, but, it's like 0.5 second humor. Yeah. It's like, how can you get someone to laugh at in 0.5 seconds? But that's that's existed since 2013 at this point, right? With Vine and stuff. It's just, I guess we took a break. For that's a more, I'm saying since then. It's, it's yeah. more, um, it's more uh, there in the cultural zeitgeist. Prevalent. Like it's more prevalent. Yeah. 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 Because old ladies can go on uh, Facebook and watch Facebook shorts. Reels. Facebook whatever. Reels or whatever, yeah. and then there's YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, TikTok. You know, it's all now short form. Yeah. So. What 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 short form apps do you have on your phone? None. None. Not do, even do, YouTube. Do you have a YouTube? Nope. Really? I haven't had YouTube for four months. Wow! Congratulations. Thanks. That was the last one to go. But. How are you? Mm, um, I have Instagram and YouTube. Okay. Uh, I had to delete. I had to delete both slowly. So. I have, I sometimes have TikTok over breaks, but then. There always gets to be a point where I'm like, all of a sudden realize I'm like, I'm wasting my time so much. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's so frustrating. And I don't know why I like yeah. give my, now I guess I won't have breaks in my life. So maybe there's not an excuse to download it anymore. This is but, a super big tangent, but I, I feel like Instagram Reels has gotten to the point where it's better than TikTok. I, don't I know. agree with that. Actually, you're you're right. I, th- I actually think of, to an extent. I remember when I've it been came out and I was like, man, these are just re-uploaded TikToks. These are trash. I'm know, less but... impressed by TikTok now than I was because TikTok has now become a news information app. Yeah. And you can release like 10-minute videos. Hmm. Yeah. 
So, so yeah. YouTube, but worse. But also sometimes with TikTok, it's like you have to have it long enough to get your algorithm to perfect. To where it's like weird random videos. That's where I always like to be at. That is true. I mean, I don't. I'm I'm very much against TikTok. But at the same time, I think just random nonsense. What post ironic as you would yeah, say? Post-ironic, humor, yeah, post ironic. Yeah, is hilarious to me for some odd reason. I don't know how. Like it's just ingrained in our generations. Like it's in my DNA somehow. That's just yeah. It's it's the natural progression of humor. That's our generation has picked up on and it's I stupid mean, i'm well, against it it's dumb it's not dumb though because it's intelligent because it's post no that's rick and it's morty intelligent that's where these rick and morty fans are saying you don't like it because you don't understand it and that's pretentious that is well yeah but some people don't understand rick and morty but you're the guy on the counter saying give me sexual <laughs> so that's you right now <laughs> i know but i know people have watched rick and morty and they're like i don't get why it's funny and i'm like you don't get it. I mean, I don't know what else to tell them. No, that's The Office. I can clearly say if you don't get The Office, you don't think it's funny. That's if you don't get situational I'm not saying humor. you have to like Rick and Morty, though. I'm saying that if you, if somebody doesn't like Rick and Morty, that's fine. If somebody doesn't like The Office, it bothers me a little bit. Anyway, the thing is, if in, in our culture, we cannot deal with the silence. Watching this film, you really have to be patient with a lot of the scenes. You really have to be patient to, like... Here, well, we even said like this guy's saying like five paragraphs, and they're telling me one word of what he said. It's like, <laughs> and the word was like, uh, what was the word I really liked? Uh, vargin or something? Or varted? Silence. Varten. No, varten means wait. Oh, they kept oh wait, yeah, wait. yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just had to wait for it, and it's great. I think it, it, it's a it's a patient storytelling. It also lets you sit in what the story is. It lets you sit and dwell and kind of meditate and chew on. <laughs> sounds like a little bit more spiritual than I wanted it to. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, I, I'd imagine back in the day, like that was probably quick storytelling because you'd sit down and read a book, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that was they were watch a play and plays could be upwards of two hours, you mm-hmm. know. So like seeing a one oh, one hour than that, longer than two. You all, I yeah. guess it depends. Much longer, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I I can't say I've gone to too many plays. These silent films, maybe some dumbed down plays or something, but. These silent films may have been played as double features too. I don't know for sure. Or six parts. There are six acts in this. Do you think they took a break between? I mean, why would they split it up like that? That with the part where it says end of act one, start of act two, and it would go through. Like it would pause in between each. You think? Yep. Well, I don't know. There'd be a pause. Like I think there might. This might have been like an an all day thing or an all afternoon thing. Like we worked like really hard to make this film. Or every night you would come back to the theater to see the next part. Oh. Wow, that's genius. I mean, now it's like at this a TV point, we're show just, essentially before this point, TV yeah. shows. We're just speculating. We have no idea. We're just saying <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that would be a good idea. You know, you know, we'll, if we ever regress to the point where we have to be doing films like that, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll say it's an artistic up. choice for now. Yeah, I think there's going to be uh, not to bring this back into the conversation, but like TikTok movies, where it's like <laughs> not to do it, but to act, not, the not to do movie. it, but I'm actually going to do it's it. It's always got the same sound. They always put the same well, music over it. One way you could do it is is it's like was the Carmen. I've thought about this. I'm not sure how it would work, but I always thought that it'd be cool to do a horror movie that was just like the whole. Mo- so you know how searching was like all on the computer screen. Mm-hmm. Well, this would be all like on TikTok. All on the oh TikTok. That would be, that's a horrible be, idea. It would be like <laughs> a vertical story, screen. The story is told <laughs> think, through the scrolling. Do you think in the future never, we have movie theaters with aspect ratios <laughs> no, that are vertical they, portrait mode? Oh my goodness! Do you think because we get so addicted to our phones? I'm surprised they haven't opened like live TikTok viewings oh in gosh. theaters. Anyway, yeah, like, I, a whole theater. I hope just I die that. before that. <laughs> that's that's. Yeah, and like you go you buy a ticket idea. to the theater like for four hours and it's like you just sit back and you order food and it's just someone scrolling through tiktok yeah yeah that's but what about your algorithm no but their algorithm is insane it's that's just why like you pay for yeah yeah they're like this i have the best algorithm yeah that appeals to they make like genres and it's like this weird <laughs> word that they are like or a group of words that they made up that's like intrigues you and you're like i want to see what this is like i think this is my take like a personality test for like algorithms or something and then go to that viewing it's gonna be all algorithms it's an infj viewing there's yeah, that's what a, I was like, yeah there's gonna be an algorithm you're gonna go to a restaurant and it's like it's like you fill out the survey and they bring you like the perfect meal that you want based huh. on your algorithm of, of wants i'm not sure i like that well you'll never be dissatisfied sure you'll always be happy and and you, you have better hope, be. you have high hopes for this no well i'm just saying that's how it's gonna be 
Yeah, you're, you're, it will be very entertaining. Your it's gonna information be, will be very stolen. It's going to be Huxley in. That's all I'm saying. As, all, as long as I have that Neuralink so I can download medical school. Right. <laughs> but they'll still charge $200,000. Then your job will be obsolete. Yeah. <laughs> because they yeah, can, everyone will know how to be a doctor. Nobody will get sick. Yeah, but only a few have $200,000 to do it. Well, yeah, but they don't need medical school anymore. Oh, you're right. They're going to charge money. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're you know right. these schools aren't going to let people get away with it. Come on. If you no. want to save lives, you got to pay. <laughs> that's, that is true. You better pay. Yeah. yeah. If you want to help the world, you're going to have to pay for it. That's what basically their motto is. So sitting and being in this film, what kind of is the – we kind of talked about how it's a representation of pacifism of World War One, But what is the major theme or message if there's one or more than one? Or is there not? Or is it a story? Off the bat, I would say I find it hard to think of a theme off the top of my head. I think I think if you think about something hard enough, you can always assign a theme to something. So then do it. All right, well, you have to give me a moment. That's what we had to do in poetry back in high school. I remember I took a poetry class, and it was just like, you have to just basically, like, bullcrap your way into finding a meaning into a poem. And it's like, or this guy just, like, found a sequence of words that rhymed and put it. There's like... You know, meaning exists. That's, this is the thing I, that I need to say. Meaning exists outside of us. It's better to extract meaning than to impose meaning. That's what I say. Now, yeah. when you extract meaning, you'll find that it's actually much more meaningful than imposing. Because there can be meaning in imposing meaning. Because a lot of times we do have some meaning that we can impose. But a lot of times extracting and figuring out what the actual message is and then applying that is the best that you but, can do. But here's what I'll say. Knowing certain modern directors... Sometimes the meaning that you extract is that you're supposed to impose the meaning. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, true. we're stuck in that loop right now. You're right. Because I'm thinking of our, our dear friend David Lynch, and I don't <laughs> think he's imposing or he's leaving a lot of meaning there he gives, to extract. He gives us a nice um, balance beam to go off of. Yeah, you're he right. Us, he, maybe he gives, gives us a, a backbone, like, but we have to put the bones together. Right. Yeah, there's a little bit of structure there. Yeah. But you got to figure there's it out. There's always something. There's a diving, you know. Diving yeah, board. but you're right. I mean, I, there, there probably is a meaning that should be extracted from this movie or could be extracted from this movie. Um, you immediately go to like, what is the mode? Like what, why, why is Francis, uh, caught in this delusion that, um, he's Dr. Caligari and it ends by him saying, well, he thinks I'm Dr. Caligari. Now I know how to fix it. And then the movie ends and you're like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> why, how, why does he know how to fix it now? And how did you not figure that out earlier? Um, so, like, what is the source of his delusion? And what are we supposed to, like, learn from the fact that... Because we we are told a lie for, like, the entire movie, and then it's like the, cur the rug is pulled from out under us. Yeah, well, outside of his delusion, it's interesting that, it, like, it seemed like he was, like, he's, he had carried a normal conversation with that one random older guy, right? Like and and he he had fooled the older guy until he let him march to the sane asylum, right? So I mean, it seems like it's like a very isolated <laughs> thing where he's just like, like almost obsessive with this yeah. whole thing. So I want, I, but it kind of makes you wonder how did he get to the point where he had met the director so that he could create this false delusion? Because what was his underlying issue that even got him to the sane asylum? Because I don't think that's really displayed. Yeah, you're right. I'm not sure. There might be something there. I think... So someone... This is imposing meaning onto the film, but someone, a guy named Siegfried Crochier, I don't know, here. Crotch. Something. Uh, did... He's like a cinematologist. Let's just call him that. All right. And he, he made this piece call it, called From Caligari to Hitler. And it's arguing kind of that Dr. Caligari is this authoritarian autocrat who's going to take over Germany, who's ready to be taken over. In the same way that Hitler was taking over. Hitler took over with Nazism, and Dr. Caligari took over with Caesar. Both carrying daggers. So it's like a Hitler prediction? Maybe. That's important. Now, it would have been predicting that there was somebody who would fill the power vacuum like Hitler did, because I don't Post believe... Post-World War One, I agree. This, that it's long enough after World War One ended for people to really know who Hitler was or that right, he was. Right, yeah. Uh, no, I think I, I don't know. Now, I Hitler my, fought in World War One, right? He fought in World War One, and I I think he grew an influence over the 1920s mm -hmm. until he eventually took over. Yeah, but I don't know whether by 1920 he was in the U.S. an influential figure in Germany 
in the way that he was later on. Yeah. Another thing I learned is that so Caligari actually is a phrase in theater, which might explain some of the theatrical productions that we kind of saw hmm. uh, within the, the acting. Um, but it means everything in the set. So like bring the Caligari, everything in the set, you know. But huh. in film, it means everything in the frame. It's like the props, costumes, you know, people and everything. And that is such an interesting thing because every single shot in this film had multiple layers, right? It had like the backdrop, it had a front piece, and it had like a middle part. And the people would go from all three layers within each of the scenes. Um, hmm. So in every single scene, it was, it was like a jungle of items. It was like lots of different things going on and lots of different cool surreal architecture and um, set pieces going on with uh, things that just were distortions of our everyday life. Uh, and that, I think, is partially why the word Caligari was chosen for this. So the meaning is, I think, what the modern movies today are saying, Ben. I think a lot of the meaning is that there is no meaning. Really? Well, the the authors did intend for there to be like a political meaning to the movie, though. Yeah, but political think- meaning. But if you have a twist like that at the end, that just makes the movie almost pointless. Like nullifies because you can't yeah. take into like you, you can't, can't trust anything. Yeah, you can't trust any That's of what the, I'm saying. the themes that are in that. You uh, can't trust authorities, right? You can't trust anything. well because then Caligari is like you don't even know the context for um, who he is actually and what the asylum is actually. You see all that accusations you lay against him are like saying that he represents this or that. All the backstory He's that was representing built up. something in a delusion. Yeah. So then, how could you make? Well, that's what Germany was. Germany was in a delusion in World War One, apparently, according to the pacifists. And once they wake up and realize what reality is, it's too late, and they're in an insane asylum. So I think a lot of it has to deal with like. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. There is no. There is no, tr- like there is like we can't trust anything. It's almost like Immanuel Kant took a hold of this film. I, I like 50 that years later. interpretation. Do you think? Do you think you could go further with it and say that like, painting of an antagonist has anything to do with that because that was that was the large part of the story right painting this antagonist mm-hmm. do you think that has anything to do with yeah i think building up this antagonist the only thing is it's hard to imagine because like this it's almost like a prophecy that came true because he was fulfilled in hitler the actual vaccine yeah so maybe they just imagine like you said ben this power vacuum that was there or it's just this make-believe guy that they imagined could have been a political or authoritarian power that was in the government at the moment. You know, it could mm-hmm. have been someone else. Now, or the government as a whole. Now, is it possible that the guy who's who is experiencing the delusion is correct? Like in that Cal- Caligari is an authoritarian even though he's telling it in a delusional way. And he's the I only one that. that can see it, right? Because so I thought about that it could have been that Dr. Caligari planned this whole thing to frame it on him, right? But that's too logical, I think, for this film. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think it has a few like plot holes there because like some of the same people that like went and got Caligari and it's like, oh wow, he's the bad guy. Throw him in the cell, right? It were the same people that you know grabbed him. It was like some of the same doctors and stuff that grabbed. Uh, yeah. The protagonist, you know. It was the same guy that looked extremely German, the guy with the white hair. Yeah, unless if they were in on it. I mean, like, you could say that. But well, I mean, I, yeah, I think they were the same but, guys because he's just a mat. He didn't distort. I mean, you're right. That is a consistency between the two. The delusional story we were told and the truth, apparently, is that those doctors are still doctors, right? Yeah, and and a lot of yeah, it, it seemed like. It seemed like it's fair to say that a lot of the characters, a lot of the main characters in this story are recycled, right? Because because a lot of the people that you saw at the end were in the asylum. And it was yeah. a lot busier than... The asylum, like, atrium was a lot more busy than it was in his delusion. There were, like, almost no one in there. Right? Well, maybe you have all of these forces during World War One kind of arguing and trying to do good, but at the end, none of them are in the reality that they expected. Or is it somewhat that... Uh like there's this dream that that they discover the authoritarian and they're able to like nullify him but then they wake up and they're what they wake up oppressed like they wake up their their so the reality is we're actually under the the only thing is figure. i think this movie you could be true like maybe there's no fault in them but i think the movie attributes fault to francis right mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i i don't I don't know that that would 
I'd have to think more about my, which I don't have time to. But it seemed like Francis was the idiot the whole time. It seemed yeah. like they're painting someone in a bad light. Yeah. Right? Or or you could or you could or it's like kind of almost an unsatisfying ending though you you can say that with the most unreliable narratives you know right because you can say that's almost unsatisfying because what we've seen what we know to be true is all of a sudden broken apart and you are like okay well what is true right that's the whole point but with that said can you can you are you reliable is your was from what you've seen is everything reliable or is it, I don't true know. we just questioned that we thought what if caligari was planning the whole thing are we reliable in our interpretation of it so thanks oh. a lot surrealism okay so <laughs> stephen brockman writes the destabilized destabilized contrast between insanity and sanity and hence the destabilization of the very notion of sanity itself is another major theme of theme of the movie and so i was right the abstractions and stylized elements serve to show the one experienced by a madman. Um, and then they portray it like as a nightmare and then frame the story of the real world. So, yeah. P- these discussions are discussions that, that all film critics have about this movie, hmm. I think. So we're among, we're among the greats here. We've already found ourselves among the greats. <laughs> now let's just say you were trying to um, write a paper about this movie for a college class. I don't know why. Uh, can't be that. I might know somebody who just had to watch this for a college class they're in. What advice would you give them? <laughs> um, see, this is imaginary fake person. I would probably write about the influences of existentialism and surrealism on the film industry, but through the lens of this film specifically, obviously. And then talk about how um how that represent how that kind of shows the unreliable that there's an unreliable narrator and that we don't know what reality is in the film or outside of the film and reality is always questioned and motives are questioned and i don't know just kind of write how truth becomes this big blob this big mess because of these outer influences onto this movie and this this movie is just an expression of these larger movements happening in society mm-hmm. It's kind of like a precursor to like the rebellion that we got in America in like the sixties and stuff. Cause what, which rebellion? Just like you know, like Woodstock and all that stuff. I oh, mean, I see. <clears throat> the whole idea of hippieism is like kind of just like questioning like what you quote unquote know to be true. Yeah, I mean, so. it's a. You're right. It, I mean, it, Ger- Germany is the start of any philosophical thought since eight, the eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. So last two hundred years, any any movement or idea that we have here is not original it started in germany that's where the great philosophers were that's where kant started and kind of ruined the world in my opinion so uh, you're right hippie it's a logical the american reaction to these things is freud was freud austrian or german Uh, i don't know because freud Freud also is extremely austrian yeah uh also extremely influential on the direction that our world's gone in and people have Mm -hmm. drawn a some now people always draw Freud into everything, so it's hard to tell whether how serious this is. But there's some like father figure with Caligari like tension there, yeah. Um, that you could say is maybe a little bit Freudian, but could be a reach, yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of Freud's influences are interpersonal and intrapersonal, so like dealing with what is what is humanity in relation to itself and each other, yep. whereas Kant is is does truth exist and can we know it what is is the mind and the body are they separate or are they one you know can we trust the mind is the mind above the body or does it not matter yeah in some senses what freud proposes would is like an addition to some of what kant from what you're sure and yeah you're right would be because some of the, the the directions that you might go in if you decided that you didn't believe truth was real or knowable well, Freud and Kant would, would fundamentally disagree about pretty much everything, because Freud's taking it from a scientific standpoint. Kant's saying you can't trust any reason. Yeah, and I guess I should say when I talk about Freud, I don't necessarily mean the what Freud said, but more his he had a his, big influence, his on influence it. and how it's been taken. Oh, sure. Because I don't think Freud, I don't think there's many things that people actually agree with Freud about. I think it's more of the the essence of who we have decided that we are based sure. on how Freud thought about things. You're right, but you're right, and I'm not disagreeing. The 
the, but a lot of our uh, sociology and psychology, although it doesn't agree with Freud, they use Freud's ideas and kind of right. cement them in a, maybe a different in a different way and focus in on yeah. something of his. Uh, right. But yeah, so very, very influential. Lots of influential people. You know, it just goes to show, like, if you just have strong ideas, you can have a great effect on the world, especially if they change the current status quo. It's like Dead Poets Society, you know. Yeah, uh, but it's also interesting because your actual effect on the world doesn't happen until like. 200, 300 years sure. after you Juice die. Juice World. We just talked about that. Which makes you wonder how worth it it is. Well, no, none of it's worth it. It's not, this, our, our lives are not about legacy. That's exactly. Stupid. I know. That's, that's the stupid. dumbest thing I've ever Which heard. makes me wonder why they wasted their time, right, all their time writing about stuff. No, I think they can't help it. I think yeah. in their head it's like, I have to solve this problem or I'm going to like die. Yeah. We always, my brother and I always made the joke that poets aren't good until they die. That's true. <laughs> I think they're best when they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> a poet in the Zach, Zach kills po- him personally. <laughs> well, I can't say that. All right. On that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be a very interesting thing to get denied for. Yeah. All Zach, right. We heard on your podcast that you kill poets. Which you did include. We support the poet community. We're going to have to send out a post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're sorry. We we did. Uh, in, you did include the movie vault in your uh, application, right? I did. I've had. So I actually. In my six medical school interviews, every single one asked me about it. Really? I should honestly, I should have added it to my resume. Yeah. For, I don't know why I didn't. Well, from, that's different though, because a medical resume, it's not on my medical resume. No, you're right. It's 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 because it's not. Really that's more relevant. of a talking point. It's not a job. Yeah. But yeah, but be, just because one of the people who interviewed me asked me kind of an off the wall question uh, about something on my resume, so if I hadn't included a podcast on there, it might have been. Yeah. But that's just because I like talking. So yeah. it's not. It wouldn't have helped me get the job or not get the job or anything like that. But you got the job. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway. All right. In I, in closing, Caligari. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it means it basically means what's within the frame, what's within the stage. So, I guess we're here. We're within the vault. So Caligari to the vault. What'd you think, David? I I think overall. Yeah, overall. Do a, do an Eric Booker impression of the Badlands Chugs impression of what he would say. Oh boy. Yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, um, hundred two episodes in, we're finally cracked open the silent film, uh, vault part section of the vault. Yeah, it's not a genre. Um, yeah, I mean, not really, but like people categorize stuff that way because yeah. they can. Um, and it's kind of like uh, race versus ethnicity, really. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's my real laugh. Uh, uh, um, but, uh, uh, but I, and I really haven't watched too. I, I can't. I can't. I won't say that I've never seen a silent film, but I can't recall one. I guess M is sort of like a mix between the two. So M was um, influenced by this a lot. Yeah, and Fritz Lang was in consideration to be directing this movie, and he yeah. was directing another movie, so he didn't. Um, Before we close, though, we have to say what movies we watch real quick. Oh, right, yeah. But and, and just in closing, I'm just glad that we watched this movie, and I think it did impress thoroughly impress me. So With, with its impressionism? Yeah. So yeah, Man, we'll I'm do, on a roll today. We'll do some uh, movie highlights. Zach, do you want to go first? I like how you said that. You should. Re- I, we're going to do our movie highlights. <laughs> yeah, you want to keep that. doing it that way? You should say that next time. Yeah, we're I watched Videodrome. Our... You've seen Videodrome, Ben. Oh, it's so good. Awesome, awesome thing. This guy develops a hole in his stomach <laughs> i'll just leave it at that and that's all i kind of want to say about the film no it's this uh it's a, a i actually really don't want to describe the film it's pretty i didn't realize how inappropriate it would be it doesn't sound inappropriate when you hear it but some of it was inappropriate but a lot of it was cool action and a lot of great body horror um this main guy who runs this video company who finds this like sacred video who's you know has this mystical ability to uh yeah, make someone get a brain tumor in their head and cause them to act out or do stupid things and then eventually die and yeah he watches it and is tricked by this corporation and basically this big corporation's forcing him to to work for them through this video broadcast frequency that they've shown him it's it's so it's so strange i can't even remember all the details like i had no idea what each scene would be so it was great i think it ended well too it ended pretty uh, open-ended ambiguity as you love ben and uh i watched um, the fly oh i loved the fly 
I love the fly. I love Jeff Goldblum. I did not know Jeff Goldblum was in the fly. So yeah, the fly's been one that's on my bucket list for a while. Yeah. I need to get to it. It was excellent. Excellent. Everybody was great in that. And then watch this. I can't, I think that might've been it. Do I have yeah. another one on there? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I've, I just have two as well. Um, so I rewatched the big Lebowski again with my teammates. We showed it to more people. Um, yeah, The Big Lebowski is just, it's a movie about bowling, it's about crime, um, it's about a lot of things, uh, it's about friends and camaraderie, but, uh, and it's about uh, living your life like uh, nothing matters, which I can't really endorse, but it's kind of funny in the context of the film. Um, but what I'll say is, the first time you watch Big Lebowski, make sure that you watch it again a second time and a third time. Because the details that you'll understand and it will just get more funny the more times you watch it. You'll real you'll enjoy the humor more um, the second or third time you watch it than you did the first time. Um, and it's just hilarious to quote. I haven't seen it. It's so good. That's one of like the I can't call myself. A, there are a few movies. Actually, there are a lot of movies that yeah, I cannot I call myself a cinephile until I see them. There's a lot of movies for me too. I'm yeah. not quite there. Yeah. Um, and then I watched this animated movie, a uh, French animated movie called Fantastic Planet. Um, kind of watched it today because I was like because I wanted to have more movies for this segment and it was only an hour and ten minutes long it is kind of a little and incentive it, to it was on my list so I was like I'll just knock it out today because uh, I have like a, a lighter homework load this semester so I have a little bit more free time so yeah it's a it's a movie about these uh, about humans but they're called ums instead of humans and they're on a planet with dregs who are like more advanced uh, living creatures and they try to treat humans like animals. So it's about race and ethnicity. Yeah, and it's about um, hmm. them, and it's about genocide and it's about. Oh my gosh. Um, they try to kill all the alms and it's it's a cool movie. But the reason the plot, I was like, it's cool. It's it's maybe not um, the most original plot I've ever seen. Like I probably you probably could point out other movies that have plots similar. But I just think that the like the animation style and like the creativity and and like the the planets and the different things and the way things work. Um, yeah. So I, I really liked, I really enjoyed, um, it was cool. It was a little bit violent in some parts. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was fantastic. Planet. Uh, gave it four stars. So that's the title. Check it out. Oh yeah. Very clever. So thanks. Have you seen any movies lately, David? Um, I watched the Sonic movie too. <laughs> it was a movie. It was a movie. It was a movie. We watched the first one together in theaters, and the third one's coming out this year. I remember oh, you guys. In, I remember you guys invited me, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I was like, well, I was watching it for free. I definitely wanted paid it. You guys said, "Hey Zach, do you want to see a Sonic movie?" And I said no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was I, didn't, the, I didn't watch it. In it wasn't the worst theater experience ever. Honestly, I've, I I liked a lot of the Sonic experience? games, but I, I just I, I just I don't I don't know about the movies. This is just like I don't know. One of the worst theater experiences I had was actually Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I went I've heard slept about in that. my car. Really? There, I think I've had worse ones though. I think I I've think Ben is legit. Ben and me are like legitimately the only people I've met in real life that enjoy that movie. I know a lot of people that love it. Really? I do. Do I know any of those people? I don't know. I think there are just a few movies that they they hit different for me, and like it's sometimes the message is not worth the build up to me. I think I have I struggle with that a lot. So I'm gonna, I haven't seen Killers of Flower Moon yet. Once I watch that, hopefully, um, hopefully it's the message is worth the build up. Were Were you a fan of uh, uh, No No Country, well, no for, Country for Old Men? Men? Yeah, that's I was not. So I wasn't. Yeah, a they, big see, fan that, of that. that that remind this. They are not really that similar movies, but they're kind of like more interesting, drawn out movies. And yeah, I, and I, I, no I, Country for Old Men. Probably like that movie. If I oh, I love it. Yeah, so yeah, so that that I think that's just. I will point out the Academy agrees with me on No Country for Old Men because it was one best picture in two thousand seven. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Academy is really smart. I, I like to I like to applaud the Academy when their opinions. Yeah, you agree. and uh, <laughs> they line up. <laughs> you yeah. and the Academy in uh, uh, Shape of Water and uh, yeah. yeah Moonlight. Yeah. Well, Parasite was good. Fair. Okay, I'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sonic at the Hedgehog too. Well, great. Well, maybe I'll see the third one with you, with you guys without seeing the first two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait till we go over this uh, most anticipated list. I think I, like I could summarize. I think I could summarize the plot for you. Sonic. I guess Sonic beats Sonic Man. exists in the real world now. Wait, what? Instead of the other world. Is that the that's the and premise? And he throw rings and they make him teleport in places and dimensions. Mm. Um. Knuckles punches, tails flies. 
Mm. So it's like the video game. Yeah, it's like the video game. Mm. And Knuckles is stupid, I guess. I heard they're doing a Zelda movie. I'm oh, very, really? very excited. I've never that. played any Zelda games. I hope they don't tailor it down to about the, the Borderlands movie. I don't know if they ever played Borderlands. I've never not. played much video there games. There are not Neither a lot of video games I've played. That. So, the only I guess game I've played is Super Mario Galaxy 2 in Minecraft. That is, Zach, that's your favorite game. Oh, that's it? my favorite game. And, and you like the soundtrack. I want to point out. Oh, what? The Minecraft movie and the Super Mario Bro movie. Oh, yeah, yeah they're coming Super out. Super Mario Bros. was made for the generation that did not grow up on it. Yeah. Who's playing Steve in the Minecraft movie? I just remember last. Oh, it hasn't come out yet. I, was it Keanu Reeves? No. Is playing Steve in the? It was like The Rock or something stupid. No. I was like, I, I don't know. I, I laugh. F- I keep forgetting it hasn't come out That's yet. That's the stupidest thing ever. I don't think I'm. I, if it's The Rock, I'm not gonna watch it. The Rock is like the most like corporate actor of all time. Jason Momoa. Oh, okay. No, that's Jack Black. Who's Jack Black? Okay. Be? I don't know. I don't know. Alex. <laughs> what? Jack Black is like in every uh, He's a creeper. Every video game movies. movie. Yeah. Jason Momoa is in it. Kate McKinnon. All right. I don't care about this. All right. Let's close the vault. <laughs> yeah. All right, David. You can close it for us. All right. <laughs>